I'm Chris Reback. This is Political Wire Conversations. So about an hour ago, I talked with Jim Lehrer. Yes, that Jim Lehrer, the dean of moderators, as Bernie Shaw once called him, moderator of 12 U.S. presidential debates. He's also a current member of the board of directors for the Commission on Presidential Debates. That's the group that organizes and runs the general election debates. There is scheduled to be three with Trump and Clinton and one for the vice presidential candidates Pence and Kane which assumes, of course, that they all take place. And maybe Jim hasn't seen it all, but he surely has seen nearly everything in American politics. In fact, that's where I started, given everything he's seen. Has he ever come across anything like this campaign? His answer might surprise you. Of course, we spent most of the time talking about debates, future and past. Is there anyone more qualified to discuss presidential debates in this country? Which reminds me, just in case you don't know the rest of what Jim has done. Not only is he the former executive editor and a former news anchor for the PBS NewsHour, but he's also written more than 20 books, fiction and nonfiction, along with some screenplays and plays. I'm telling you, check out his author page on Amazon. It's really something. Oh, yes, and one other thing. You may not know, but as a journalist, Jim not only wouldn't register for any party, he wouldn't even vote. He said it was a personal choice. He didn't feel every journalist had to do it, but that's how he felt what he should do. So I asked him, will you vote now? His follow-ups to my question were a lot of fun. I really think you'll like this conversation, but before we begin the conversation, some questions. Who will win the White House? What can we expect coming out of the political conventions? And what about the House and Senate? People who want to stay ahead of the curve turn to the Cook Political Report, and with good reason. For 30 years, the report has nailed the nation's most important election outcomes and political trends. CBS News' Bob Schieffer called it the Bible of American politics. Nate Silver noted few political analysts have a longer track record of success than the tight-knit team that runs the Cook Political Report. Little wonder the New York Times called it, quote, a newsletter that both parties regard as authoritative. People who make it their business to know politics make it their business to subscribe to the Cook Political Report. Just go to cookpolitical.com slash political wire. That's cookpolitical.com slash political wire. And now here's my conversation with Jim Lehrer. Jim, you've you've obviously watched a lot of politics over the years, and many people feel this is the craziest campaign we've seen. Almost almost a campaign for America's soul. Do do you feel that way? And have you ever seen anything like what we're seeing now? Well, the answer is uh, uh, yes. It is. Uh, there's never been one like like this. One that I've been that I can recall at least, and. Uh, the one that I cover, and I've covered them all since about 1968. So, no, I've never seen one like this. And I agree with you that uh, there's more involved here than just what uh, would, would, in simple terms, it would be called politics. There's, uh, it really is about things like the soul, like what, what, what values we have as Americans and all that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Now, this is a very different kind of election with very different kinds of stakes uh, involved. I agree with you. And and I don't know how you feel. I mean, part of me, uh, you know, of course, is horrified and and feels like the things that we're hearing, you know, terrible. And why are we debating this? And why why is this even a discussion um, in in America in 2016? On the other hand, um, 
part of me kind of thinks it's not a bad thing in that we're having an actual conversation, it feels, on American values and, and who we are as a country and what brings us together, what defines us and what differentiates us from, from other countries. Do you, do you feel that way? Is there any merit in what we're... It's painful, uh, maybe, what we're going through, um, but is there any merit to what we're going through or am I kind of being a little too optimistic about this? Well, I I don't. Uh, uh, you're being very optimistic. Uh, <laughs> it's my it's my Midwestern upbringing, you know. Right. You're looking for a silver lining, and because you were looking for one, you found one. And uh, I think that it's conceivable that that you're right that some good may come from this. But thus far, nothing good has happened. As you and I are speaking right now, I don't see it as a good thing. And um, uh, I think it's a coarsening of, of the, in other words, it's one thing to have in an open society, a democratic society like ours, which is terrific, probably the most open society of, of all uh, uh, in the whole world, uh, to have exchanges, good, vigorous exchanges about what we believe and, and uh, what we want to do uh, uh, in, in the name of, uh, in our names, in through government, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, all those all those things, but uh, the dialogue, uh, in order for it to really work uh, here in the United States, it's got to be a civilized dialogue. In other words, it, you got you can disagree and disagree vehemently, and uh, that's terrific. Uh, but some of this stuff has gone over where I what I would call uh, the uh, the civilized uh, uh, line, and uh, but that often happens. I I agree with you there that that when you when you open things up. And we have opened things up. It was opened up in 1776, and it remains open. When it's open, you you run some risks, and sometimes it's going to go over over those lines. And that's not necessarily a bad thing in and of itself. But as of right now, nothing very positive, in my opinion, has 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 happened. But it may still uh, it may I may be, we may all feel differently. You may feel I may feel differently uh, as things things uh, progress. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, and I, I, I don't mean to be naive. Obviously, I do mean on some level to be optimistic. That's kind of how I try to look at things, with without being too naive. I, I guess, yeah. Part of part of my uh, hope is that by defining that line, maybe maybe that's what it is. Maybe we're finally, you know, we're really defining that line of of you know lack of civilized conversation, and 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 maybe by defining that and, and calling it out in the ways that have been. Um, you know, maybe we as a country can start to maybe start to move forward again. And I, I guess, it, obviously, when you think about that line, um, and I'm, I'm so interested in your take and, and whether you think that this is the might be, a, a, you know, one of those key turning points that, that at the Democratic Convention, that key convention moment, um, obviously, with uh, um, Kazir and Ghazala Khan, um, the gold star parents of uh, uh, Humayun Khan and, and uh um, his his rebuke and and pulling out that constitution and everything that's happened since then. Um, what was your take? I, I assume if you saw that live, um, you know what was your take as you were watching it and and what's your view? Kind of as you view that as a convention moment and all the conventions that you've covered and seen, you know, over the years. Um, where does that? What role does that have in your mind as a convention moment? Well, here again, it's uh, it's in progress as we speak. Um, uh, I agree with you, uh, by the way, that uh, uh, that to push 
to, to, to push the envelope as this is being as as we are doing and the big we are doing at this moment in terms of uh, the exchanges et cetera et cetera et cetera the end result could be we really do define the, the lines in a way that we can at least accept if not uh, all endorse on in terms of of the con situation I w- I watched it live uh, but remember. Uh, it's all about context. I mean, that didn't just suddenly come out of nowhere. I mean, he, uh, the uh, 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 Mr. Khan was speaking in response to uh, issues that had been raised during the campaign up to that point, which was how to handle Muslims uh, in the, as as immigrants, as as, as residents, um, as uh, both in the United States and also abroad as uh, potential terrorists, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it was a it was in it was in the context of the campaign. It wasn't just suddenly dropped out of nowhere. Um, uh, and and there have been many issues like that that have come up. This one uh, has has um, uh, caused a lot, gotten a lot more attention, obviously, because it's so personal. And and there's nothing more personal to uh, to to most Americans than uh, someone giving uh, his or her life. Uh, in in war, and uh, so this touches one of the most one of the most sensitive uh, spots we have in our psyches as Americans. And so, this uh, this uh, it, it was I had the same feeling that I'm sure everybody else said. Oh my God, uh, uh, this this was this was a very moving, personally a very moving uh, moment when when Mr. Khan spoke. There was no question about it. I'm a former Marine. I'm very sensitive to. Uh, the military generally. Uh, uh, I come from a family of Marines. This is this is all. But but everybody comes from a family of Marines. You know what I mean. And uh, uh, so this is a this was a very sensitive thing. And I was as touched as anybody else. I had no uh, sitting there. I wish I could say, oh, and I knew it was going to blow up into this and this and this big issue. This kind. I didn't know that. I did not know that at all. I uh, did not assume that this would 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 uh, build the way it has. A lot of that has been caused by the reaction of Trump uh, to what uh, Mr. Khan said, and uh, and and that is also the nature of of American politics. Somebody says something, there's a reaction. Somebody else says something, boom, 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 and suddenly you either have silence or you have a storm. And in this case, you have a storm. And the the looking ahead, as I you know, in thinking about the storms to come, um, one of the uh, the next real or one of the next real big uh, moments of political theater, really, if what you might call appointment television, if you had the conventions, I mean, you just think about the the pacing of any campaign. Um, obviously, you know, will be the debates, and um, there's you know, I don't know that I don't think this is hyperbole to say that there's almost nobody, and maybe there's nobody I could talk to about debates in America um, who would be more um, relevant in that discussion and more um, knowledgeable in that discussion than you. Um, Twelve of them you've uh, uh, moderated. Bernie Shaw, of course, called you. I- I'm really trying to embarrass you here as much as I can. Um, <laughs> Bernie, it's working. It's working good. Good. I could I could feel over, over this phone line, I could feel the face turning red. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. I wasn't the guy who called you the dean of moderators. That was Bernie uh, Shaw. Right, You're going to have to play him. So, Okay, so let me let me move to the question. Uh, okay. As of as of now, there there are three of them planned. Um, what, you know, let, let's start at the highest level. Uh, um, you know, what what do you expect? I, I mean, 
you know, there are all sorts of ridiculous things I can imagine. But uh, um, what, what, what would your expectation be for, for um, the Trump-Clinton debates? Well, I would think there would be a, um, a sizable audience, number one, yeah. uh, as the end result. Uh, what would happen in the debate itself uh, will largely be uh, driven by what happens between now and then. Uh, we, there's plenty on the plate already. There are plenty of things already that have been said and done uh, to have a, you know, have, have, a, have a good and lively debate. But who knows what else might happen between now and then. And uh, so a lot of that will be driven by, by intervening events, intervening, I mean, between now and then. Uh, and so in terms of what's, what's discussed, what's debated, et cetera, and there could be all kinds of events uh, beyond what uh, people say rhetorically, uh, we just have to we just have to wait and see. I my 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 I, you don't have to be a I'm not a pundit, but uh, you don't have to be a pundit to say the obvious, which is that because this uh, uh, campaign has already become so personal. In other words, uh, uh, Hillary Clinton's uh, campaign is is primarily driven at this point, at least on. Uh, 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 on describing the potential for uh, uh, Donald Trump to become president, and Donald Trump's campaign is thus far uh, led primarily by his vision of what it would, what the country would be like with Hillary Clinton as president. So it's very, very personal. And uh, my guess is it's going to get even more personal between now and the debates, and that means the debates themselves will be personal and rough and uh, possibly very, very nasty. We shall see. And how would you prepare for that? I mean, as a moderator, how would you... I mean, that's actually part of what we're voting on, in a sense. I mean, that viciousness and the ability, you know, I mean, you know, the, the Donald Trump's reaction, you know, get baited by a tweet, you know, do you want that type of person, you know, holding the nuclear codes? I mean, that's almost... An, an issue, it, it's almost a political issue, I, I would argue. And so how would you prepare for that? And, and if you were to think about moderating that, how do you, how far do you let them go before, you know, is there a civilized line, you know, that you have to wait to, in, in your judgment to see if that gets crossed? Or do you just have to, you know, be in that moment at the time? Is there any way to prepare for that? What, what guidance or, or how, how would you, how would you prepare for that? Well, you prepare for it just like uh, you would any other debate, which is very, very thoroughly and very nervously. But the the, the moderator uh, cannot g- get into making decisions um, during a live debate about whether or not this crosses some kind of line uh, of, of, of civil discourse. I mean, uh, if a candidate crosses the line, the whole world's going to see it. And it's up to the other candidate to respond to that, et cetera. It's not up to the moderator to say, "Oh, well, you can't, you can't say that. That's uh, that's over the line. That's not the moderator's job." And uh, uh, there's no preparation for that, for that job. People, these candidates can say anything they want to say, and live with it afterward. And uh, uh, that that would be that that has always been my uh, approach to um, to moderating. I mean, it's it's to facilitate. Uh, the candidates uh, being able to say whatever they want to say about what you know about any issue uh, uh, that 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 comes up, uh, the moderator can bring up a subject, and um, the candidate can either touch, can either speak to it or try to evade it or try, whatever. 
all of that's going to be seen and heard by the by by the voters who are watching and the moderator is there as a catalyst to keep uh, order but order meaning uh, to make sure that the timing is fair etc not that the necessarily the content is fair content is not the moderator's problem uh content is is the debate the, is the debater's problem uh, that is that is their mission uh is to provide the content the moderator's job is to provide the fairness and 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 the expression of the content by the individual debaters well, I, I don't expect there will be any shortage of content. That's uh, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> what do you make about the, the, the debate schedule? Um, Trump has questioned having debates opposite uh, football games. Is there is this a valid criticism, or in, in your view, is this just the, the pregame jockeying for, uh, for influence? You know, I tell you, I'm on the uh, debate commission, and— uh, and we have, uh, uh, you know, agreed that the, uh, the people who speak for the commission are the two co-chairs, Mike, Mike McCurry and uh, Frank Ferencoff and the, or the executive director, Janet Brown. So I, I they, and they put out a statement. We put out a statement yesterday, uh, which pretty well speaks for itself. And I don't have anything to add to that. I'm not, I am not going to uh, uh, speak for the commission. And uh, it's, it's too... Uh, uh, it's just not my not my job to do. Yeah, un- un- understood, and uh, you know, very very artfully done for a fellow who's you know put put people on the spot and asked them questions for years. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know exactly what's so. Uh, on another topic, and if it's an area that uh, that you're not this you know that sure. you're not able to uh, discuss, I I know you'll have no I shyness. I will duck and dodge. I will, yeah. <laughs> I will duck and dodge. Chris. <laughs> I'm sure you'll have no shyness in telling me I just can't talk about that. Um, any. any Gary Johnson, the libertarian, um, any sense? I mean, there's a 15 percent threshold um, in the, you know, in the polls. uh, That's a requirement. Um, Is that firm and any sense as to to how things would work or might possibly work? Any any sense of whether he would be allowed to debate? Well, there the 15 percent criteria and be able to and to be on the ballot in all 50 states, in other words, to be be able to, uh, uh, to to win the election. In other words, to have be, be on, on enough to, be on enough ballots to, to win the to win the election. Those are the only criteria, and that will be all looked at um, in September, uh, before uh, mid around mid September when um, uh, the first, you know plenty of times for the first debate, which is on the twenty sixth. And uh, but there are no there, there's no, no discussion. Will, will take place before then. It, it and are those thresholds? Is that firm? I mean, is that how that works? Is fifteen percent? You, you know, if, is that a firm number, or is that does that potentially come into a discussion in September? Um, That's it's firm. It's, it's firm. It, it's firm and uh, uh, up for discussion uh, when the time comes, when it's appropriate, which is mid September. I got you. So, so it's it's firm words, until yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. I felt that it's firm up until it sounds like uh, you know some of the parenting rules in my house. They are firm <laughs> right up until the point that that they're not. Yeah. It, but going yeah. back, and I know you, you indicated you're not a, a pundit, but but going back to um, thinking about it, not the rules, but a third candidate in a debate, and um, you'll forgive me. I don't know if you did uh, Perot. 
Clinton and, and Bush. You did, did do that. I, okay, so so I, yeah, right. I, I thought you may have. Um, how does a third candidate impact a, de- a debate? And and if it were to, you know, if Johnson does meet the threshold, um, any sense as to how a third candidate in a, bit, in a debate, in your view, would, would help or hurt Trump or Clinton? I have no idea. I think it... it uh uh, I know in that in the case the the, one, the the case of Perot Clinton and George H W Bush, it uh, it just it, uh, the, the impact was it uh, uh, the, the the lead ca- candidates the Democrat and the Republican just didn't get as much time so that means there's less less opportunity for each one of them to put their get their message out but having Perot there having a third candidate added to the uh, added to the to the burden, added to the workload of the other two because they they had uh, they, they had they had two coming at him instead of one, and uh, and, and and to me it, it was a you know I don't I don't uh, I thought it made very very interesting debate whether or not it affected the outcome of the of the election uh, one way or another whether the the fact of having three debaters rather than two affected the outcome I'm not smart enough to know. Uh, my uh, there, and there have been a lot of people who analyze that election and believe, oh my God, Perot uh, lost it for George H. W. Bush. But Clinton would never have been president if Perot hadn't been in there. The other the Clinton people argue, oh no, 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 uh, Perot took voters from Democrats, not from Republicans. You know, it's it's it'll it'll never be resolved. And my guess is uh, that the something similar to that will happen. If there are three in this one, it's going to have an impact, but uh, but who knows whether it's going to impact one of them negatively more than another, or positively more than another, or whatever. Uh, it's uh, two. Those are the kinds of things you don't know until the until you have kickoff. Yeah. To use a use a sports analogy. I, I understand. Well, you know, you want me to ask you more about the uh, you know the conflict of scheduling these debates against the football games. I understand where you're going with that. You, you yeah, right. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I, are there any debate moments? I'm sure you've been asked this a million times, but you know, I, I'm sorry, I can't uh, have every question be original. Are there any uh, debate moments that that just stick out? Maybe in the context of American history. I mean, you you have. I mean, you know, one can only imagine. The privilege that you've had and, and that you've earned, of, but but yeah. and had in terms of uh, really a front row seat of American democracy. Are there any debate moments that stick out in your mind? And and maybe you know at the time you didn't really you know get to revel in it, but as you look back, you think, wow, I was you know a, a you know I was a side player, but a, an important player, obviously in uh, you know an important moment in American history. Any uh, any moments that really well, stick out for you? First of all. First of all, you're right to use the word privilege. I have been privileged. I consider it a privilege that I have had to uh, be involved in all those debates. The one, the one, the the one debate that that uh, sticks in my mind more than than others uh, in terms of uh, how it affected the outcome, how a debate outcome was affected, and and I think an election outcome was affected too, possibly, um, was the uh, first George. W. Bush uh, Al Gore debate, which was in Boston, that I moderated, and they they had uh, the reaction shots. It's very famous. It's the 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 way Al Gore kind of sighed and you know rolled his eyes as George W. Bush was talking, and that reaction shot was on a split screen, and the public saw that, 
and 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 they it was a very negative they had a very negative reaction to to uh, gore as a result because he didn't come all because of the way he because uh, of his body language and but people who who listened to it those are people who saw that on television obviously but people who listened to it on the radio didn't obviously didn't see any of that and didn't hear any didn't didn't notice any of that so they had a, they, they had a more of a positive view of gore than um Gore's performance than those who watched on television. From my point of view, as the moderator, I was sitting, you know, just a few feet from both of them, and I had an ironclad rule when I moderated a debate. I looked only at the candidate who was speaking, never at the candidate who was who was listening, because I didn't want to be involved in affecting, uh, having eye contact with a candidate who was listening and might affect the, his his or her reaction, and thus. Uh, the re- the reaction that people might see. So as a consequence, I didn't know about the sign. The debate was over, uh, and uh, it was only after the debate when one of my daughters said to me, oh, that was something that Gore did. And I said, what? What are you talking about? And then she told me about the sign and all of that. And it really brought home to me once what I already knew, but I really, really, really was, it became graphically and clear forever to me is that the uh, the, that the, the, the language spoken by the body is almost as loud as the words for in, in, a, in, a, in a political campaign. You can say things to people uh, with, with, a, with a, a smile or a frown or a raised eyebrow or a sigh, uh, that, uh, and people, that's a message, and those are, those are, th- those are answers and uh, responses that, uh, that people can read just as loudly and clearly as words. And... Uh, that that's what these why these debates become so important in terms of uh people judging the candidates they judge them not just by how they and what the words they say what the words they use to answer but also what kind of the, their demeanor and the way they handle themselves uh, et cetera. these things are all important to people what a fascinating uh detail that you you know you keep focus right on the person who's speaking and it totally makes sense in terms of uh um, in, in terms of that fairness, so you didn't even you didn't even hear the the, the audio from the size from from Gore. No, no, it, nothing. No, 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 didn't hear it. Didn't hear it. Yeah. And it was only after, as I say, we I, we were walking out of the hall. One of my daughters was with me, and she said, "Oh, Dad, boy, that was really something." And as I say, I didn't know. I stopped. I said, "What are you talking about?" And that's when she told me. And it, and I, and she said, "My smart daughter, who was then in college." said to me, Dad, that's going to be the story of the debate. And, of course, she was absolutely right. Oh, <laughs> well, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's funny. She knew, she knew the lead. I, and, and it struck me, and I've been, I've been, it's funny that you bring up this point, because I've been thinking, and others have, have thought this and, and written about it as well. I mean, it, that's, a, that's a device that Trump clearly, I mean, in an in a, in a outsized way, uses in in the debates i mean he you know looks askew he laughs he you know makes though i mean he makes he's, his face is almost elastic i mean you know in those republican debates uh, i'm sure you saw it and it really it really struck me i mean he's using it 
I think, and I'm curious as to your view, as a as a tool in those debates, you know, Gore, there was discussion about whether it was, you know, did he mean to be doing what he was doing or or was it inadvertent and he kind of, you know, just wasn't controlling it? Was he, you know, I mean, he, if he was trying to use it as a tool, boy, that, that, that really backfired. Um, but now cut to today and it's like all the political rules have been rewritten and Trump actively uses that, No. Well, I I don't know. I having watched uh, both Trump and uh, uh, Hillary Clinton uh, a lot, as everybody has. I think they 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 their body language is pretty much uh, consistent. I mean, I think this this is the this the the Donald Trump we are watching is the Donald Trump the real Donald Trump. The Hillary Clinton that we are watching is the real Hillary Clinton. She's but she's buttoned up and 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 reserved. He is not. He's got his uh, way you just described it. I mean, uh, I don't think it is is it is a a political technique uh, of each in each in in either case. I think they they uh, uh, that's just the way they are, and and people have their interpretations of it and say they they like it, it, it like the like the way she does this or they like the way he does that. I don't like the way he looks or I don't like the way she looks and. She's too wooden. He's too this. He, you know, whatever uh, it is. Uh, but I think I think it's uh, it, it is the, it, they are the real people we're seeing. Uh, sometimes their words may may ring uh, a little askew, but I don't think that I don't think it's possible over the long haul. And we've seen these folks now over a long haul already, and we're going to see them even more closely these next few uh, weeks. But uh, I think it's it's impossible to uh, to to really change your uh, your body language, uh, you can change your other language, but really hard to change your body language. Yeah, I agree with that. That's one of the things that we do see over the the long haul of the American presidential campaigns is uh, you, you see who that that real person is. I I agree. Yeah. But, uh, you, you can't fake that, J- Jim. Just to to close out, um, I wanted to close with D- Tegan, our good friend Tegan Goddard. Wanted to make sure. No, this is not a baseball question. Wanted to make sure that uh, yeah. you know that I that I asked you this one. So let me let me close with Tegan. Um, as a journalist, you famously chose not to not even not to register with any party, um, but you didn't even vote. Um, as a journalist, and you've written, and I've read some of your, uh, I read a, a piece from about six years ago where you made clear that's a very personal decision, and you didn't necessarily feel that everyone needs to do that, but but that's you know you, that's what you felt was was right for you in terms of uh, the impartiality and the the role, the unique role that you uh, were privileged to get to play. Um, now that you are not playing that particular role anymore, and but you're doing other things, and you're still with the commission. Do you vote now? Well, yes, I'm going to vote in this election. No question about it. What's inspired it? Well, I mean, uh, I'm no longer involved in the uh, in uh, as a as a working journalist uh, uh, covering uh, uh, po- politics, and it's just uh, I'm just comfortable. I, I'm I'm comfortable doing it, and I want to do it, and uh, I'm going to do it. So the journalist in me is the, the has the clear follow up. Um, I know you're you're skilled enough to answer it, however you want to. Uh, have you decided who you're going to vote for? Oh. And do you want to share it? Oh no. The uh, answer is uh, 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 that's a personal. Those are personal things, and I'm not going. No, 
If I, I'm not, I'm not in a, uh, I don't, I'm not, uh, I'm not running for anything or in whatever. And uh, so I'm no the answer is no. Okay. I'm not, uh, I'm not going to tell you for whom I'm going to vote. I, I really thought I had you there. I mean, I thought you were going to come out. God, you worked. Whoa, wow. <laughs> and, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I had a feeling. Tell Tegan, I really appreciate Tell Tegan how much I appreciate his question. Yeah. Oh, well, I sure will. Want me to kick him in the shins at the same time? <laughs> no, that's all right. <laughs> uh, well, thanks. Uh, thank you so much, Jim. I really, I, I don't know, you know, Tegan might be in trouble, but I really enjoyed it. Thank you for making the time. Oh, I did. Well, I did too, Chris. Thank you. Well, that was my conversation with Jim Lair. What a nice guy and engaging and smart. I mean, 12 presidential debates. How interesting was it that he didn't realize what Gore was doing during that 2000 debate? Anyhow, my great thanks again to Jim for joining me. I'm Chris Reback. This is Political Wire Conversations. Mm-hmm.